0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana Runner podcast. My name is Josh Buccinelli. Hope all of you are having a great start to the year. Uh, After considering a bunch of changes or additions to the podcast, I landed on one big one uh, for the new year, and that is a book club. Uh, I have no idea if this is going to work or not, but we're going to go for it. Uh, I'm trying to continue to provide as much value to the Indiana Runner community as possible. Um, I thought this would be a cool way to do that. So as far as how I'm thinking it'll work, at the end of every other episode, I'll include my thoughts on a particular book. This gives anyone following along two weeks to read each book, and I'll try to, I guess, announce each book in advance so you guys have time to order it and you can keep up on reading it. Um, yeah, so every other week we'll do that. I'm planning to also reach out to the author of each book to see if they'd be willing to come on the podcast. I highly doubt any of them will, but it's worth a shot. Uh the books chosen will cover training, coaching, culture, recovery, leadership, etc. Uh so probably benefit coaches the most, but I'm hoping to choose books that have overlap with other areas of life. So if you're a parent, an athlete yourself, um, just a fan of the sport, hopefully these books, I don't know, there's parts of them where you can take away a certain aspect and apply it to your life, but not just as a coach or a runner. Um yeah, so the first book I'm planning to read is The Runner's Guide to the Meaning of Life, What 35 Years of Running Has Taught Me About Winning, Losing, Happiness, Humility, and the Human Heart by Ambie Burfoot, who was the 1968 Boston Marathon winner. Uh, this book was mentioned in my interview with Chad Wallace, and I've wanted to read it ever since he talked about it. I've actually, I'm probably about 30 pages into it right now. It's a fairly light read, so I thought it'd be a good way to, to kick things off. Uh, If you have any suggestions, I'm very open to that. So if you want to contact me at the email in the show notes below, um, yeah, I'd love to hear books that have impacted you guys and you think it would be good for myself and anyone who wants to follow along to read. My first review will come at the end of interview 19. So this will be part 1 of 18. Next week will be part 2 of 18. And then 19 will be the week after. Uh, So I guess it'll be two weeks from... The day that this releases Uh, i don't know like i said how this will go but i'm excited to give it a try and see how it goes Uh, if you have like i said any suggestions feel free to reach out but that is about it as far as housekeeping so we'll get on to the interview the following is an interview with colin altavote colin is the head boys cross country and distance coach for carmel high school during part one of this interview we cover colin's background in the sport and start to get into his coaching journey his journey is one of twists and turns and taking opportunities as they come and making the most of them through his commitment to his craft he's been able to become one of the best coaches in the state even though I see Colin most of the most days of the week it was fun to sit down and dig into his journey in the sport as always I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did and without further ado I give you Colin Altavo <laughs> All right, Colin, welcome to the dark side of the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. First one of the year.
0: That's true. That's crazy.
1: How's it feel that it's 2023? It seems weird. I remember one time I had a student and she had something on and it had either the number 22 or 23. And I was like, I assume that's your graduation year. And that just seems so odd that that it's, it's weird that like sometimes they'll look at like on the the bottom line on ESPN and it'll say like some college football coach has been extended and it'll say like until 2028, you're like, that's not a real year, but, yeah. uh, I guess, I guess it is. And 2028 is really not all that far away.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy. Do you know when your kids graduate?
1: Uh, so they're both in June birthdays. So actually this is the topic of conversation because, um, my son can either he's going to finish out this year at daycare and then he'd either do one more year of daycare and start school or he'd, and he'd be the youngest kid in the class or among the youngest kids or he could do another year on top of that which is what most people my age did Would mm-hmm. those kids a lot of us turned 18 before their senior year versus not turning 18 until after you graduate so he was he would either be 2037 or 2038 <laughs> And then my our other kid would either be 2040 or 2041, I think. I might be one off on that. That's so crazy.
0: My uh yeah. my sister, so I have two younger sisters, and one is like nine years younger than me, and she graduates in two years. But I remember when I was in high school and hearing her graduation year was like 2025. That's just I don't know, I feel like yeah, forever. It
1: doesn't, it doesn't seem like a real year. I remember being a kid at church and seeing the letter jackets and the letter jackets always were like you know 97 98 <laughs> yeah. and then one time someone had an oh and my dad was like oh my gosh it's the first it's the first one i've seen that a kid is going to graduate in 2000 mm-hmm. um which you know and that that to us seems weird like 2000 that's when that's when jason who coaches with us that's when he graduated oh wow i didn't realize
0: that yeah uh how was christmas how was new year's all the
1: holidays Well, I had a guy that used to teach with me who one time said about he had three kids and he goes, you know, three actually isn't all that much harder than two, but (laughs) two is more than twice as hard as one, Mm. Um, which, you know, mathematically, I don't know if that checks out, but uh, (laughs) it was good. But it's a it's a challenge with uh, two kids, no daycare. And it's just, you know, it's just us here for for two and a half weeks straight. Um, Yeah, but it was the first. It was our, our daughter's first Christmas, so got to go to the different her family and my family, all that kind of stuff. What about New Year's? What'd you do for New Year's, man? I didn't really do anything. I don't did know like go, Did you go anywhere? Did you go to like a party or anything? No. no.
0: I'm so lame. I was you, I just watched you, fo- I just watched football basically.
1: Did you guys did you stay up past midnight? Yeah, I did. Okay. I can't remember the last time I stayed up past midnight. What time did you go to and bed? Not, and not just, oh, I don't Kathleen, what time did we go to bed on New Year's? 10? <laughs> I honestly, our first kid was born in 2019, but I don't think we've stayed up past midnight. I like 2015, maybe 2014. It's just like, what's the point? Did you watch football? Uh, No, I didn't see any of them. Really? You know what I did is I listened to the, um, I listened to the Pacers Clippers game on my phone. And then... I think we played, like, Candyland or something, and then I, I don't even remember what we did. Yeah. College football is just not all that interesting to me.
0: That's fair. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of nice getting to the age where, like, it doesn't really matter if you stay up till midnight.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's, you know, because you, people would say, well, you got kids, of course, you're not going to, like. Yeah. yeah I was, I've i been like that for years. I didn't care. <laughs> there you go. What the, do you think I, about I mean, the, the kids? Is a good excuse, but. Man, the patients are looking pretty good. I'm kind of monitoring yeah. the game right now. I thought, at some point, I was like, "Well, they're gonna the... start the year, and it's like, okay, this guy coming out, he's my like, he might be the best guy ever, right? He, he's the best prospect yeah. since probably since LeBron, mm-hmm. um, but maybe the best prospect ever." And I was like, you know, we might we're gonna be pretty bad. We might we might have a pretty good chance of getting this guy. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point in the schedule it's like, all right, here here comes some losses, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Warriors a couple times, gotta play the Clippers. And all of a sudden we're four games over uh five hundred, and it's like, all right, we gotta shift from like trying to get the ping pong balls to like trying to not go to the plant. Like we might just get one of the top six and not have to worry about it.
0: Yeah. We're it's a tough spot though. Like we're like right there. And I feel like we're maybe team wise and talent wise like a year away from really being a lock for the playoffs. So it'd be tough to like make it to the play in but then lose and just be in that middle spot. That I feel like the Pacers yeah, are all end in. up
1: end up with the with a th- with 13 or 14 or whatever. Mm. Um you've got the other two the other two picks, but I calculated it out yesterday and it's like those three picks are coming right now or are, are slotted at 21, 26 and 30. So nice. like You're not getting anything with that, probably. But can you Mm -hmm. hit on? Can one? Can you get a rotation guy to one of those three, right? Mm -hmm. And then the other two, you just you want as many swings as you can get. So, you you, two of them are going to be Aaron Holiday and TJ Leaf. Yeah, pretty much good. But if (laughs) one of them can be, you know, because what was Nemhard the thirty-first pick? Like if one of them could be like that, then maybe you, you, you know, maybe you struck oil.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a good segue into a uh, tier talk. So the tier talk for this week is favorite professional athlete to play in Indiana. Do you want to go first? I'm really interested to hear what you have to say. No, why don't,
1: what do we, do we alternate them? Like you say uh, your number three and I say my number three. So
0: whoever goes first, like if you go in reverse order. So I, if I went, I'd start with three and go up, go up to one and then hand it off. Okay. Why don't, why don't you go first? Okay, cool. Uh, so I cheated. I added added an honorable mention, which is Pat McAfee. If I just,
1: uh, I don't know, for all he's done in media. So, Pat McAfee retires from professional football Mm -hmm. and he's at the top of his position, right? He's one of the better punters in the league. He's Mm -hmm. probably not the best one, but he's the most famous one because most professional athletes don't have a person like a like a one in a in a billion personality like he does mm-hmm. and you combine those two um did you see what he sold his podcast for
0: oh did he, did he sell to like draft kings or something or or got a I big endorsement it,
1: from them or is yeah, that what you're talking what, about he, he got a huge endorsement for his podcast it was either DraftKings or, or FanDuel. i think it was fan i think yeah i think you're right yeah i think it was like it's like 30 million dollars per year for for ten years, it's like three hundred million dollars.
0: His his uh podcast is like the number one sports
1: podcast, or up there, isn't it? It's it's way up there. I, I don't I don't know what the numbers are. I mean, there's him. There's you know, there's Bill Simmons. There's mm-hmm. obviously Indiana runner. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Tear talk. Those are probably the big three. Yeah. <laughs> At least. I've, I forgot about never, us. Yeah, I've never I've never seen. I've never seen Bill Simmons or Pat McAfee's numbers, so someone's got to prove. I have seen ours. Someone's got to prove to me. That <laughs> I mean, there's more no than they
0: way are. they have more than us. Yeah, I doubt it. Yeah. I can't even count how many we have.
1: Yeah, certainly you have to at least you know take your shoes off.
0: <laughs> okay, so that's honorable mention. Number three, Peyton Manning. Pretty good player. Yeah. Um,
1: Number now, two. Oh, go ahead. How well do you remember – you graduated high school twenty twelve, right? Fourteen actually. Twenty four. Okay, so Nate's twenty twelve. You and mm-hmm. I coached together. Um, <laughs> we did. So we kind of a guys, like who are all these people they keep mentioning. Um, <laughs> so Peyton Manning's last year with the Colts is twenty eleven, fall of twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. So that would have been your sophomore year of high school. Yes, and that was the year. Colts lost to the Jets. Yep. Is this right?
0: No, right. it might've been
1: 20 at 2011. I think was the year they were awful. So his last year would have been your freshman year. That would have been 2010. The last year he actually played okay. and they lost to the Jets last second field goal. Um, Jim Caldwell called a timeout. I remember leaving that game and my dad and I saying, I, I don't know about Caldwell. Um mm-hmm we would have known what we know now we we don't know about Caldwell we're begging for him to come back Um, (laughs) but you don't you wouldn't necessarily remember Peyton Manning the way that I did because I'm eight years older than you are yeah no that's that's when I was in high school and college those big in middle school those big formative years for sports viewing Peyton Manning was the best the best player in the league I mean he's he's probably the best football player of all time Mm -hmm. um but you, you probably think of Peyton Manning almost more as being on the Broncos, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, true. I feel like a lot of it is just because the Andrew Luck era was so brief. It was a lot of, I don't know, every year yeah. it's like, what was? You know, what, what, what could have yeah, been? Yeah, I, or...
1: I think part of the Andrew Luck thing, too, is like what could have been. He did play for like the better part of like six or seven years, and now all the talk is, oh, Jim Harbaugh. Maybe Jim Harbaugh is going to be the next – um coach for the Colts and people you know when I was a kid Jim like a little little kid my first memories are of Jim Harbaugh I always wanted to be number four in like soccer mm. or basketball where because Jim Harbaugh was number four for the Colts um, right. Jim Harbaugh played for the Colts for four years did he really that's it yeah and some of that time he was not the starter well, um okay. so that's yeah that's he's in the ring of honor and he played for the Colts for four years Dang. And then, how, you know, how so good he, was he, he at his peak? Mm, who would I compare him to now? He was like, he was like a like a like a upper middle guy who could he mm. could kind of run. So he, I mean, he's not like he's not like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. He's like, uh, and kind of had a cult following and and a little mm. bit at least locally and and had a. I don't know. He's like a better, ver- he's like a more charismatic Daniel Jones, maybe. Okay. That's he could run person. around. He could do stuff. Like he, but sometimes he was bad, but I don't know. He got hurt. Okay. So not Lamar Jackson, though. Yeah. Not that <laughs> good.
0: Okay. Number two, Andrew McCutcheon. He, uh... so I'm not like a super big baseball. Te- te- baseball te- te- te-
1: technically true, right? He played for the AAA team.
0: Yeah, I played for the Indians, right? For a little, just a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, so did uh, so did Ken Griffey Jr. No way, I didn't know that. No. Dang. Um, uh, maybe nah. Maybe it's Randy Johnson. I don't know. I'm one of the old Mariners guys. Okay.
0: But I'm not like a super big baseball fan, but I'm like loosely a Pirates fan. And two of my best friends growing up were, like super into baseball, so I like tried to get into it. And this is when Andrew McCutcheon was on the Pirates, so he's like basically the only baseball player that I, like kind of following new. So mm-hmm. he sneaks in there. Number two, number one, the height of the recent Pacers, Paul George.
1: Um, This is a weird, this is a weird pick for number one. I don't, I don't, I mean, you can't be going to say, I don't think you're wrong. You can't be wrong with your list, right? But yeah. These yeah. are my favorite players. No, you're wrong. Like, that's <laughs> what, like I say, it's not your favorite player, but like, I don't, I don't begrudge Paul George. Mm -hmm. as much as Victor Oladipo Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I'm I I don't know just the way that it ended I it's hard it's hard it's hard to those were great years and that would have been when you were like 17 18 Mm -hmm. so I would have been like just out of college like living on my own um Thirteen and fourteen were the years that we went to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I just gotten married those years. Like, those were fun teams, and he was mm-hmm. a, a really good player. But then the fact that he was just basically like, "I'm out of here." Yeah, but he did. Sure. He did. He did say like, "Hey, I'm not gonna lead you on. Like, I I would like to sign somewhere else. So, if you want to trade me and recruit some value," and they were going over it when they had the Clippers Pacers game like a week ago. And um, Pat Boylan had gone through it and was like three of the four Pacers came via some sort of transactions that started with the Paul George trade. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Halliburton, you have to to backtrack like a a couple transactions, right? Mm -hmm. Because you end up trading um, Oladipo for Karis LeVert and Mm -hmm. trading uh, Sabonis for Halliburton and Heald. But three of the starters – Plus another draft pick that's out there. Plus another one or two guys playing, like playing real minutes. Okay. All from that trade, so hmm, I didn't know that. Yeah, but you're I, right. Like, I mean, I get that he was like, I, you know, I'd kind of like, I'd kind of like to go back and play in this area of the country. And we were like, mm-hmm. all right, jerk, How about Oklahoma? <laughs> um, but I, I don't know if you played for some random team. You know, like if you yeah. played for the Timberwolves and you were on their team for six or seven years. And you could go wherever you wanted. You might be like, I, you know, hey, I wouldn't mind going back home and playing, you know, for the Pacers or the Pistons or whatever.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I think you're right. Like 13, 14, that was like my junior and senior year of high school. And like me and my closest friends were like all super into basketball. And so those like fond memories of us actually like succeeding. He was um, so.
1: I mean, he was really good. Yeah, so he good. Was, uh, but just never, you know, going against LeBron, man yeah brick wall uh i don't have the same top three but i do have the same third one and that's peyton manning okay okay so my dad and i well my dad—he chose to take me uh had had cold season tickets past 25 or so years so we went to all of those games Mm um there so peyton manning really should be number one if you think about it that way right Mm -hmm. season ticket holders all those years i like peyton manning there is something that seems a the other the other two guys on my list are like the, these guys like they they belong to Indiana and we belong to them and they are true. And not just because, you know, he played for Denver, which was our choice, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. caught Peyton Manning. He wanted to stay. We caught him because we had the number one pick. Um I don't know. There's just something about Andrew or about Peyton Manning that just feels like he was always just kind of inauthentic. He's mm. a nice guy, he's got a cool personality. Yeah. He's in all the commercials, but just something about someone that seems like they've been breds from day one to just be this. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> I feel that. So number 2, Reggie Wayne. Okay. Reggie Wayne is I mean, I know he um Reggie Wayne is a coach for the Colts now. Um but I've I've got almost seems like and he bridged the gap a little bit between the eras and he was still mm-hmm. a good player after Peyton Manning had left even after he tore his ACL and came back and played a couple more seasons and at a pretty high level. Um, so I, I if someone asks who's your favorite Colts player ever, I I, I would probably say Reggie Wayne, not mm. the best. Mm-hmm. I'm not ranking them this way, but who's your favorite, right? That was your, that was the the topic. Yeah. Not who are the best in Indiana ever, but who are your favorite? And that would be Reggie Wayne. What was it about him? It's the way he played or. Yeah. The I mean, I guess it's, a, it's a, the personality, the, he just seemed a really genuine guy. And then, you know, the high flying passing attack, um, and not just the quarterback, but the receivers. And then, you know, those two hall of fame receivers. And then he's the one that didn't shoot a guy and then hide the gun in his car wash and try to get away with it. So <laughs> I guess I'm going Reggie Wayne over Marvin Harrison. Are we, allowed to, are we allowed to say that on the podcast? Well, I'll text Derek and find out. <laughs> there you go.
0: I, right, one of my okay. friends said we should wait for the draft, to um, draft Marvin Harrison jr. And then two years later, draft Arch Manning, get the gang
1: back together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is your friend Jim Ursay? Because he seems obsessed with the <laughs> it force is actually. from 20 years ago, <laughs> and doing whatever he can to bring the band back together. Uh, True. I don't, you know, I don't begrudge, I don't begrudge you or one of your other friends saying that, but uh, I don't know that that's a way to actually run a professional sports team.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fair enough. Uh, number one, is it is it too early for Tyrese Halliburton? Wait, really? no it's Reggie Miller okay uh, <laughs> I, was like, no way. <laughs> I do like I do, I do like Halliburton Me too. um you know my, my first extended memories as a kid were of those Pacers kind of playoff runs um you know starting when I was like seven years old and being you know two back then I don't know they for whatever reason I remember watching a lot of them it was probably that I could watch the games on the weekends Um, and those are the ones that I remember, but I, you know, a lot of those ones I was watching live, uh, but the, the eight points and nine seconds, I didn't see that that was like a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And I walked out and went into the backyard and cried and my parents came out and said that we won. Um, but a lot of those other ones, yeah, I mean, I was, I was watching those. And then, you know, by, by 98 and 2000, I was old enough, you know, 11, 12, 13 years old that they would let me stay up. And, and watch those games even if you know if they start at seven o'clock or whatever.
0: Did you see uh did you see Luca do almost the same thing? I don't know, it was like eight or something points in like 13 seconds. I don't know.
1: Well get at me when it happens in the playoffs. <laughs> Fair enough. But that no, was the I didn't yeah, I saw he scored 61 or whatever. Yeah it's it's a, it's a ridiculous the, the NBA is it's like what are you laughing at? My daughters laughing at me. Um <laughs> laughing with me the nba exactly. is at this kind of all-time high just like boys cross country is right now mm. so there's all these there's really good teams and then individually it's kind of like girls cross country there's all these really good individuals where you know the guy that's the fifth or sixth best guy right now in the league for mvp voting in a normal year would would be like this is definitely the mvp um but yeah basketball for whatever reason professional basketball and indiana high school cross country are both at Highs right now.
0: Probably correlation. like my two
1: biggest interests. It's <laughs>
0: convenient. Uh, yeah, I saw. I was watching like, the NBA countdown for the the game tonight, but they're talking about the the Nets and Kyrie and KD have both been averaging like twenty eight and twenty nine over the past like twelve games, but they were like twelfth and fourteenth in the league on points per game. So there are eleven more players that are
1: averaging like thirty plus. That's insane. yeah, and it's. You- i i at least see enough stuff on facebook or hear people talking about it like older people they be like wow it's because I don't play defense like <laughs> no it's because it's a global game now and if you can play basketball we can find you and there's just mm. i mean you watch you, you still watch college basketball and stuff like, yeah if you watch a big 10 game you know a random big 10 network game on a thursday night and it's this Penn state, Iowa rock fight 45 to 39 <laughs> and you watch them and they just can't hit anything. And they're like, mm-hmm. Oh, they're just playing hard. It's they're scrappy. That's good defense. And it'd be like, no, in the NBA, there's, these guys are unguardable. Yeah. You put two guys on, on Curry. He's got his back to the basket. He turns around and throws it up and it goes in, you know, 50% of the time. Like, what do you, come on.
0: For sure. Have you heard of the podcast? The old man and the three.
1: I haven't listened to it. I know it's JJ Reddick's thing.
0: Yeah, but I heard – I think it was Paulo Banqueira actually. The, he's on the Magic, the rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, He's saying, like, it's so different than college. It's basically, like, street ball. Like, they just roll it out, and it's one-on-one basically the whole game. There's, like, very little, like, set plays yeah, or anything I mean, like there's, that.
1: There's just no way to set those plays. And then, you know, once they get to the playoffs, obviously it's going to slow down a little bit, and the defense is going to tighten up. The other thing is 82 games – and you're traveling versus two games a week, mm. but the guys now have to the the, te- the teams are so good and the guys are so good that they have to play hard every night, um or or get embarrassed like you know like the Celtics did last night, <laughs> and you know in the in the 70s, the 80s, even the 90s, like they were playing it at 75 percent for most of their games in the regular season. Mm. It just it's so much it's over the last 10 years. It's just, it's a global game now. And you look at all the best guys, right? I mean, three of them didn't even grow up in the United States at all. Four of them. didn't the top four players in the league, potentially didn't grow up in the United States at all. Yeah. Um, versus in the nineties, every single, almost every single player was an American.
0: Wait, so four, four out of the five Pacers starters didn't grow up in,
1: in the U S. No, I was going to say that <laughs> the four best players in the league. Definitely. I know. Yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> but, so, you know, Jokic, Doncic, Giannis, and Embiid didn't grow up here, and I, yeah, those probably are the four best players, right? Yeah, probably. Maybe, maybe KD, Durant, mix. Durant, Durant yeah. Curry, LeBron, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. That is crazy. I didn't even think about that.
0: Well, I guess this is a running podcast, you know. So I heard maybe
1: we should talk about running a little bit. It's, um it was this is your the interview was your idea the interview series was your idea so it's whatever you say it is yeah have you have you listened to any of them uh yeah some of them you're cranking them out pretty quickly so it's been um it's been hard for me to keep up i, I certainly listened to the first few ones and then I listened to one that ben was on mm-hmm. um and i don't know that i've been able to since then okay yeah no
0: just cranking them out more content the better I was going to say, if you hadn't listened to much of them, I'm sure you probably had no idea what was going on. Um, We just talk about sports, no running. (laughs) Um, Okay, so we're going to go back to the beginning of your running journey. How did you get your start in running? Um,
1: Well, I remember running, you know, like the gym class type stuff. Uh, I don't remember if I was – one of the better kids. My dad always ran when I was a kid just to run, Mm -hmm. not like road races or whatever. He would just run for fitness around the um, neighborhood. And then when I was in sixth grade, going into sixth grade, he said, well, you should, would you want to run cross country? There's a team and you can run on it. And I was like, yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) And I went out on a couple runs with him, like in the summer. And I got to the point where I remember one time that I ran two miles without stopping um, and then, you know, I just ran every year, you know, sixth, seventh, seventh, eighth grade cross country track. I played basketball in sixth grade, which at my school was kind of a big deal. Cause you could try out, but not a ton of sixth graders made it. Mm. So like, I don't know, like four or five kids in my grade made it. Um, yes. but two of them ended up playing, two of the kids ended up playing in college and they actually, two of the kids in sixth grade, this is kind of incredible. Two of the kids on my sixth grade in my sixth grade class started on the varsity at our middle school, like over eighth graders and stuff. Yeah. One of them, his dad was the coach at the high school for a long time. Um, He ended up going to Bowling Green. Um, The other one who at the time we thought was going to play in the NBA. Um, Mm -hmm. He ended up playing for Indiana Wesleyan. (laughs) And one of them was actually the city champion in cross country too, but he didn't run in high school. Oh, wow. I mean, if you're a good athlete, right. And you know, for sure. Wayne city champion. In seventh
0: grade, I played a like, club basketball at the Fieldhouse in Fishers, and there was a fourth grade team in our league called NBA to B, and we they like took us to the wire. We were like a foot taller than all of them, but they they've been playing basketball since they were born,
1: and it was. Um, it you was know crazy. what? Though I would tell you that that's a bunch of people that got started really early and probably had a lot of pressure on them to perform. Mm-hmm. They were in fourth grade, and I bet they don't have a great relationship with sports right now. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> they were in fourth grade when you were in seventh grade, right? So yeah, not st- you think of them; they're not still in fourth grade. These these are like 24, <laughs> or 25 year old dudes. That's true. That's crazy.
0: <laughs> I, have a little reunion. Yeah. Um. So, did you play other sports growing up, or just basketball? Yeah, I, grade? I, I
1: played basketball. Um. You know we. We had rec league stuff. We'd play that all through middle school. I played soccer. I was probably better at soccer than I was at basketball. I, mm-hmm. if I really would have gotten into it, I wasn't super aggressive, but I was. I was a good distance runner, so I had. There were some things in soccer that I was good at. I was. I was usually one of the better kids on the rec league teams, like in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, except when I was on the same team as those kids that were going <laughs> playing in college, then I was more in the middle um i pro i might have been able if i really got into it and stayed with it maybe maybe eventually been a varsity high school player Mm -hmm. at my at my school um but i once i got to high school i just ran
0: was it was it love right away for running
1: yeah i was pretty into it i got a lot better from sixth grade into seventh grade and um I probably took like two minutes off my time for three K in seventh grade. And I went, I don't know how many kids were on our team, but I was, you know, in the back in sixth grade, like any sixth grade kid would be. Um, and in seventh grade, I was like our fourth or fifth best guy. And we won the city championship, which was like to me at the time felt like the most important accomplishment in the history of the world. And then we won when I was in eighth grade too. Um, and it was, just the, it was just the middle schools in our district, but there were 11 of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was the true kind of city championship. Um, but then I was the only one of all those guys that ran when we got to high school. Oh, really? The other guys, yeah, the other guys. And there were other kids from a, the second middle school. Um, but, uh, you know, the one that I was telling you, there was the city champion was my friend. He played basketball. Um, one other kid played hockey. One of the kids I, it was a year younger than me. I really tried to get into it. And then actually the guy in my eighth grade year that was like our fifth guy was my best friend through high school. He was a year younger than me. And and he actually was one of our better guys in high school. And he um he was the state mental mental attitude winner in track when we were um when he was a senior. I was a freshman in college. Okay. He ran one he he finished fourth in the state meet in the eight hundred his senior year. He ran one one back when 155 would get you four, fourth of the state meet,
0: yeah, that was even my time. It's crazy how how much faster these kids are these days. I'm not even that old. Um, so you went to Snyder, right? Correct. Okay, Fort Wayne Snyder, how big was Snyder when you were there?
1: Uh, 2000 kids. Okay, so it, it seemed pretty big, and the Snyder had never really had any history of success. I mean you have to go back into the seventies, maybe eighties. They were, they had a couple teams that had been to the state meet and maybe two years before I got there, they got a new coach and um, he came from Warsaw. I think he'd only, he was young at the time. And of course when you're, you know, 13, any, <laughs> any adult feels like they're super old, but he was pretty young, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, this, we're talking 2000 1999 2000 something like that and there just weren't a lot of people then that knew what they were doing he had gone to northrop and had been one of the better runners at northrop but Northrop had a long history of success Mm. um so he had taught at warsaw and coached there for a year or two came to snyder which seemed like a at at the time would seem like a huge upgrade a huge promotion that now it's kind of with shifting demographics and things would would kind of be the opposite Mm. um and uh, the first year he was there, you know, he was now there's a coach and they're going to have practice every day. And he, he took it pretty seriously. and He, he knew a lot about running. And um, the, his second year we made it, I was in eighth grade, I think. Um, but he would, he, he would let us come and I would go and run at the practices in the off season with the high school team. They'd let me run in seventh and eighth grade. Um, and he let me go to some of the meets and kind of be the manager. And, um, they made, we made the state meet that year the first time Snyder had probably made it in 20 years or whatever, 20, 30 years. And, um, and then we made it every year for four or five years in a row. We didn't make it my senior year. And then he stopped coaching and Derek actually, Derek Leininger became the coach. Oh, really? And, and they made it three or four years in a row. Um, I don't know how many years Derek did it—six, seven, or eight, probably. My dad was Derek's assistant, so my dad was not a coach when I was in high school, ah. um, but started right after I graduated, and was Derek's assistant. And then Derek stopped doing it to be an administrator, and some random person did it for a year or two. And then my dad was the coach for four or five years at Snyder, mm. um, and then he stopped doing it a couple of years ago, and now, so that's the, yeah, that's the last twenty years of Snyder High School. Hey, yeah. Is that the connection to Derek? Is that how you know him, or did you meet him? like later yeah, so in my... Derek Derek was the was an assistant under Parker, Matt Parker, who's the coach at at Snyder for my sophomore year of track. and that's kind of how I knew him. um and he was young. I mean, he again, he seemed old because he was in college or whatever, but he mm-hmm. Derek's only I think Derek's three years older than me, and I was a sophomore in high school. so Oh, yeah. Um, so he was probably 19 or 20 at the time. And I was, you know, 16, um, cause he's a, he's O two, he's O two, but his birthday's in August and he, he didn't graduate until he, he didn't turn 18 until well after he graduated. I think he started college. He was still 17. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I knew Derek and he, but he just did that. He just, he just did that for one year. Okay and did you was your dad
0: coaching somewhere else or no
1: no he Derek had asked him to so my dad never coached at all so it seems like okay there's for me okay well his dad was the coach at Snyder so his dad must have been his high school coach my dad was never a coach until after I had already
0: graduated I think that's that's what I assumed that he was your coach like he'd been there
1: forever Mm -mm. yeah he he my sister was a senior when he coached that first year but um he was the boy's assistant coach.
0: Okay. And uh, so he owns and runs three of his running company, right? In Fort Wayne. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a, that opened in 04 and he still okay. worked another job. He was the owner of it. Uh, he had a business partner and, and since now he's, he's the full-time owner. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, he's uh, shares some of the business with the family, but um, he, he retired from his full-time job and now he just kind of looks at the story
0: okay gotcha what do you remember from your time at snyder maybe about your training or any like experiences
1: you know it's funny because i remember the time that i realized i had been out of college for eight years Mm -hmm. and i did the math and i was like i have been out of college for longer than i was in high school and college combined (laughs) but high school and college are so formative, right? Mm -hmm. So eight years out doesn't feel like the eight years or the four years that you're in high school. Mm -hmm. And I, so I remember a lot of that stuff. And I, I ran in the state meet as a sophomore in track on the four by eight. And I ran in the state meet as a senior in the four by eight. And that's kind of a unique experience because you kind of like bridge different eras of guys hmm. if you're able to do that. Yeah. Um, so I, I think about that like Ben, when Ben Veach was in high school, the guys he ran with his freshman year and the guys he ran with his senior year were totally different guys. Mm. Um, or like like Jack Capes is now a sophomore at at Carmel, and he was the only sophomore that ran for us in the state meet, and mm-hmm. you know, probably ran the state meet as a senior. And he'll just kind of bridge that gap between he will have, he will have run with Cole, but then he will also have run with whoever the current eighth grade kid is that runs as a sophomore in the state meet Mm. two years from now. Um, But I was able to do that, you know, without being a star.
0: Whereas most
1: people that do that, if you run, you know, if you run in the state meet as a sophomore, well, I guess I should, I say most people that do that, but that would be most people at Carmel. Um, Mm. Because that's, that's about the only way you could make it onto, yeah. onto a, a state roster as a sophomore, as you're, you're kind of like a, a potential future star.
0: Yeah. We're, so were you close with like, I don't know, talking on bridging the gap, were you close with just the guys in your class or did you feel like you really were kind of that bridge? Like, did you know the older guys and the younger guys?
1: Uh, the, the older guys, honestly, they're not listening to this. Uh, they were kind of <laughs> <years>. Um <laughs> So yeah, no, not really. I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I I I remember I won the Mental Attitude Award as a junior and a senior for track. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember the one thing that Matt had said, Parker had said, was at one of the the banquets or whatever, and the track banquets are always just kind of like, like they are at Carmel, like, well, season's over, but also it's like May or June. So we're not gonna, you know, there's not gonna be a ton of people there or whatever. Mm-hmm. That the one thing he said he noticed about me was that, um i really uh, i i stood out as the kid who cared the most about his teammates who was really mm-hmm. into track and field and the success of his teammates um so the guys the guys that i was close with you know it was a big school but it wasn't there weren't 162 kids in on the cross country team mm-hmm. were the kids you know in my grade and in the grade one underneath mine okay yeah that makes sense And that was kind of a a bridge too, because, you know, Derek comes in, Derek's my friend, Derek is 21 or 22. Mm -hmm. Um, He's the head coach. He's still a college student at that point. And um, I just graduated. So I went to a lot of the practices and stuff that year. And, you know, I wasn't his assistant coach. I was only a year older than a lot of the other kids. Mm-hmm. um but that that was important to me that the the program you know was in was in good hands um moving forward and then obviously they, there was a lot of success under under Derek yeah
0: uh when you mentioned like the different stages of life like going from high school to college and then when you realize you're eight years removed from high school um I guess since graduating from college has it felt like just kind of one continuous period of life or has there been like milestones or like things that have kind of broken, broken it up?
1: Well, the first, so when I was in college, I was a, was a volunteer assistant at Columbus North. So three years, but college high school and then college is kind of its own thing. Right. And then the first year out of, college i taught and i coached at avon and then avon this is i don't know that i've ever mentioned this in the podcast avon the first year had a referendum in may and the referendum was shot down two to one which is a a landslide they voted Mm -hmm. no on two to one and avon had said hey we we need this extra money that we're asking you for if you don't do this we're gonna have to cut some of our teachers." And so they had to cut a bunch of their young teachers. So anybody in their first or second year was gone um, Uh and they had to go up higher. And actually I got cut in that because I was in my first year of teaching. I was 23 years old. And Ryan Osborne got cut from that. I don't know what he was in his fourth or fifth year as a teacher at Uh Avon. And Ryan Osborne is the head boys basketball coach at Carmel. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think his teams have won two or three different state championships <laughs> yeah. as the head boys coach. At Car- so two of the head coaches at Carmel were teachers at Avon High School that were cut in this referendum that have won uh, multiple state championships. That's crazy.
0: Was he coaching at,
1: for Avon at that time, or uh, he was an assistant? Yeah, and okay. he um, he came over to Carmel. He became an assistant at Carmel, and then Scott Hetty left to be the um, coach at Marion. And uh Osborne uh became the head coach. And I his his teams um are like 18 and two in the tournament. Are they really? Yeah. Jeez. Um the first year he was the head coach. We went to the state championship and we lost to Warren. Mm-hmm. And then the next the second year we went all the way through the tournament. So obviously, you know, you go like six and zero on that. Um and then we were I don't four and oh we were like in the regional and then it got cut short for COVID. So we didn't lose. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if we would have won that year or not. No one knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next year we won, we beat Lawrence North. And then last year, um, we lost uh we lost in the sectional to Westfield. Um Westfield had that Mr. Basketball who I think he does he start for Purdue? Yeah, he does, he's a starting point yeah. guard. He and you know, in basketball, one guy can make We we had a really good team, really good team, but you got one guy like that. It's 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 hard.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Jumping back to high school, was there a moment, or or maybe was it like gradual, where you're like, okay, I really love this. I could see this being a part of my life, like forever.
1: Running. Yeah, I mean, I I think (laughs) one of the things that you'd put in the in the rundown was like, well, what did you what did you think about? I always wanted to be a high school coach and a high school teacher. Um, you know, if someone would have asked me in seventh grade, I would have said I wanted to be a high school teacher and the, the, the cross country coach. Really? Um, yeah. So, very. I'm, I'm the. I'm a very rare instance of someone that knew what he wanted to do, and it all lined up. And I got, you know, really fortunate. Um, I would say my freshman track season. This is what I tell a lot of our guys. Um, my freshman track season. I ran two ten, and my um, sophomore track season I ran two oh one. And I was, you know, I was, I was good at the eight hundred, and I was, you know, it it came a little easier. And so I, at that point, I was like, okay, I was, yeah, you know, I was, I was pretty into that. The hmm. so this would have been, you know, mid O's, O four, O five, O six. And looking back on it, I think the one thing that we didn't know back then that we do now is that boys can be anemic. Hmm. Yeah. And now it's not uncommon for, I mean, at, at the college level at a division one level, every three to six months, they're going to do a CBC and check your ferritin levels to see what your iron levels are. Well, back then we didn't know that boys could also, I mean, we always knew that girls could have low iron levels. um, But we didn't realize that boys could as well. And I know the guy that was the best guy when I was in high school, somebody I I still talk to on occasion, um, not in my high school, the best guy in the whole state and he struggled some seasons. And I, I think either he had told me, or someone had said that he had like low iron levels and it wasn't until like my junior or senior year that one time I went in and, and I was just, man, I'm just tired all the time. I start a race, these cross country races and like 800 meters into it. I'm like, when is this going to be over? Like, this is awful. Anything long I was struggling with. And it, it came down to the fact that I was, yeah, I was pretty low on iron. um yeah and i remember in i I ran my freshman year of college and um they do not do this um but i i had like low hemoglobin low iron and stuff and my roommate had had something similar and was like hey here's this this uh thing that I take for low iron that a doctor had told me to take. And I was like, well, I'll, I'll just do it too, mm-hmm. uh, which you absolutely shouldn't do because <laughs> yeah. iron is poisonous and you can overload yourself on it. But I do remember like going from like 30 minutes in, in an eight K to like 28 minutes. And I was like, well, that could, that makes a big, a big difference. Yeah. That um, I wonder how differently that, you know, if I'd been born in 1997 instead of 1987 mm. and my senior year was 2016 um I, I guess in that case i'd be i would have been on you know in college when when ben and beach and teddy browning were um how different things might have been like could, you know i had a pretty good attitude about it yeah you know, and at times where i had a bad attitude about it which you know if, 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 talking to maybe some like high school coach or high school teammates would be like oh, you had a good attitude you were always saying stuff to be like yeah but i <laughs> i was really struggling with that iron issue i bet my ferritin counts were were like single digits at times yeah, how often do you it see that now? As, oh, go ahead. As it did, it wouldn't have, you know the shorter the race, the less it would affect you. So over four hundred yeah. or eight hundred, I was I was okay. That
0: makes a lot of sense. Um, how often do you see that as a coach now, low low
1: iron? I think now we just know that they should go in. Although, as of recent, uh, it's been harder to get these kids to go into a place where they could get that checked. Mm-hmm. um i guess i'll kind of leave it at that um i think we've kind of found a solution to that but um that yeah we we just we know you you should you should probably get checked And anytime time a lot of times like if you wait until you've had symptoms well it's it's going to take a while to rebuild that and um never had a kid go in and complain of fatigue things like that and send them in and they're like no you're your ferritin levels are fine you're in the 60s mm-hmm. it's always like uh yeah this is like nine yeah we had a one um, time that was three really yeah that's a school record it's, cool. <laughs> it's in the gym <laughs> yeah it's hanging up in the locker room yeah, yeah. there's a board with his name on it
0: <laughs> uh going back to something you said a little bit ago um what was it about teaching and coaching that appealed to you at like such a young age that you knew in seventh grade that you wanted to do it
1: I don't I guess it just was always kind of natural for me um to want to this is going to sound cliche but you know to want to help people like kind of like le- leadership leadership I suppose um and and these were the things that I was the most interested in which was distance running um and so yeah, I just I I ne- I never thought about doing anything else. That school, the college that I picked to go to, I picked because it was the it's it was I don't know if it still is, you know, the number one teacher prep school in the state. They got you in the classroom um, to do observations and student teaching type stuff at the end of your freshman year. Um, yeah, so I just I I I don't know. I never. I I talked to Ho- Coach Weinheimer about this one time. And he was like, no, I." Ne-, he, said, he said the same thing, which was, I mean, when he was really young, he said he wanted to be a DJ, um, <laughs> but was like, yeah, I never thought about doing anything else.
0: Hmm. I feel like that's, you already said this, but I feel like it's pretty rare to be like, so dead set on something that early. That's cool. Um, When did you know you wanted to run in college? How would you end up choosing
1: Franklin? Uh." Well, Franklin had the program that I wanted. There was a girl that I'd gone to uh, high school with that went there and her older sister had gone there. Um, And Franklin's big programs were education, uh, journalism, which was an interest, I never thought about studying that, but was an interest of mine. And she was the editor in the newspaper and knew me from high school. Um, So I was like the sports columnist in the newspaper. And then the other one was athletic training. And actually two of the guys that were in my fraternity and on the team with me that were my little brothers in the fraternity both became athletic trainers for IU. IU track and field. Oh dang.
0: I could totally see you being a, a sports journalist. Did you like that that short stint of doing it?
1: Yeah, I, I like doing it. I I um it probably wasn't super easy to deal with, which is probably like any writer ever. <laughs> um that they would like kind of edit some of my stuff or whatever. And then eventually mm-hmm. they went from the newspaper to an online thing. They were a little ahead of their time on that. And then uh, I think I just stopped doing it or, or maybe I did it all the way through and, you know, stopped when I did my student teaching and stuff. Um, but I, yeah, I was the sports columnist for, for two or three years, I think. Um, and just, and they said, you can write about whatever you want. You don't have to write about, you know, so it was the stuff that interests me. And they would, you know, they'd still have hard copies of the, the school newspaper. So kids would get it, you know, and read the newspaper in the lunchroom, and be like, oh, hey, I liked your column or whatever. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, it was just obviously for fun.
0: Yeah. What do you remember about your time at Franklin? I have some more questions. Uh, getting, <laughs> or...
1: getting sick. Uh, I, so I, I ran cross country as a freshman. And, um, but that summer I needed some sort of surgery, like a jaw surgery and I wasn't able to run basically the whole summer. So that cross country season was, you know, to not be able to run much all summer, then you get there and you're starting to run a little bit. Um, But it's a, you know, an 8,000 meter race. And I was already struggling with cross country and we were still uh, treating uh, anemia was still at infancy. Um, So that was kind of a struggle. That freshman track season, I had some sort of really bad IT band injury. These are all things that I realized now that we would have no problem fixing, but we just didn't have the knowledge necessarily back then. Mm. Um, So I didn't, I don't think I raced at all my freshman year of track. Um, And then I had the opportunity to to volunteer to be a coach at Columbus North, uh, which in hindsight uh, worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But I I ran those other track seasons and uh, my sophomore year, and my junior year, I ran some of the races indoors. And I remember my sophomore year, we ran, I I ran some of the meets and at our conference meet, I ran on the DMR and we won the DMR um, and we set the school record. Nice. And then my junior year, I ran on the DMR and I, I think we won, I think we won that two years in a row at the conference meet, but both years, like in March or April, I got mono. Whoa. which you're, you're only supposed to be able to, it's like chicken pox. You're really only supposed to be able to have it one time. Yeah. But they say a, a very small percentage of the population can, can get it twice. So yeah. Thanks. Feel, feel honored. Yeah, I, yeah. We should hang up a board in the locker room for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how bad was it? Uh, it was, it was pretty bad both times. Mm. It was, I mean, it was bad enough to not, I remember the second time I, I kind of, the first time I, it was so bad. Um, my mom had to come get me. So we're talking, this is a oh. two and a half hour drive. And I was like, I really don't feel good. And she was like, all right, we'll come home. And I was like, no, you got to come. She had to come get me. Um, and I went back and went to my, you know, my normal doctor or whatever. And they gave me a test. They're like, you got her. You got one of the worst cases we've ever seen. Dang. And the, so that that was it. There's no way I was going to run after that, because um, in college, you know, the semesters are over. Like. So the indoor season's over late February, the outdoor season, the conference meets are like late April. So I start not feeling good, you know, early to mid-March. It's six weeks of school is over. Yeah. Uh, so that that was the end of that one. And then my junior year, I started running like if I look myself up on athletic.net or whatever, I find some races and I'm like, I don't man, I ran 217, I ran four fifty. What was going on? Yeah. And it was that I had it then and I just didn't know. And then I remember again going getting a blood test. And they're like, this was probably on campus because I didn't feel good, but not so bad that I had to, you know, go home. And um they, they were like, Oh, you got mono. I was like, nah, nice try. I've heard that one before. <laughs> and they're like, no, some people can get it twice. And I, I did try to run through it. And I remember the time that I went and I ran and I ran like four miles or whatever, and I'm just dying. And I went, mm. I just told Paul, the coach, I was like, dude, there's just, I can't, I can't do this. And that yeah. was it. Cause then I, you know, my senior year, I couldn't run. Um, I couldn't run cause I was, I was student teaching and there was, there was no way. Uh, to do all that, you know, be there till four and you'd have to train on your own and all that kind of stuff that there was no way I was going to be able to do that. Um, I did run, I would train with the boys or the girls at Columbus North. There was one year I got really into it and just jumped in and ran some cross country races. I was still on the roster. I think they just, they like to use my GPA for the calculations. (laughs) They still listed me on the roster. Um, And I ran a couple of times. I think I might've been good enough one of those years to be in the top seven. Oh, wow. Um, but I was just I just go to practice every day and run one year. I ran with the boys every day um, and one year I'd run the hard the workouts with the girls and I'd run the easy days with the boys. So I was essentially mm. running the same you know pace the whole time.
0: Yeah. Um, like through that, did you ever question if like or I guess ever lose your passion for running or question if this is a sport you want to really like be involved with?
1: you know, I certainly questioned, do I want to keep doing this for my own sake? Mm. Uh, and and essentially the answer was, was no. I mean, um, the answer was no, because I just physically wasn't up to it. Mm. Um, but uh, no, I never questioned like, do I want to be a high school teacher and do I want to be a high school coach? No. And okay. in fact, I mean, I gave up, I gave up running to be, you know, a volu- And and Paul was, was, when I told him I was thinking about doing it, he was, he was nice about it. He was like, yeah, this is, a, that was a great opportunity, you know, to be, to be Rick Weinheimer's assistant coach mm-hmm. at 19 years old, 20 years old. Yeah. You need to take that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I only did cross country because I was, I only coached cross country because I was trying to to continue to run track. Yeah. Um, and I remember my junior year, you know, a lot of those times I would still go and watch, the meets, um, that one of the guys on the team won the 1500 and the 800. And I think in the 800, you're in like 157 or 158. And remember watching that. And then afterwards, you know, we the season was over, we like went out or whatever, and buy a drink. And I was like, man, I just I watched when I'm watching you run that, and I just could have seen myself if I could have stayed healthy. I just couldn't help but mm-hmm. thinking I could have seen myself up there with you in those races Mm -hmm. um but i mean yeah like i you asked me the question but i hadn't i hadn't thought about that probably since it happened
0: yeah that's a tough feeling to wrestle with like what could have been definitely felt that a couple times in my running career
1: yeah and i mean that's that's part of running right that you like this is what i would tell the 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 kids that i coach like You're always going to want more. This is a sport that attracts people that are always going to want to do more, that always want to be better. But that's also a hard thing because that that lack of acceptance, that lack of gratitude is eventually going to break Like mm. it has to be fun at some point. It can't always be more and more and more squeeze, squeeze, squeeze until I get every single last ounce. And even that's not good enough. For sure. Um, and that's, you know, when I think about the best kids that I've coached, I think that's one of the things that, that Ben and Cole are really good at. Mm. Ben finished second at Nike nationals um, as a senior and someone asked him afterwards, like, well, are you upset? And he was like, how spoiled would I need to be to be <laughs> disappointed for finishing second at this race? Mm. And I think that a lot of people, a lot of kids especially, think that, like, well, the more upset I am, the more that means I take it seriously. The more mm. that means that I love the sport. Um, and I've seen, I've seen that a lot with, with our boys and our girls over the years of, dude, it's, it's supposed to be fun, man. At mm-hmm. some point you got to celebrate some of your success. And it's like, you ran your best time. Yeah. But I I wish I would have run three seconds faster. Like, <laughs> yeah, but you're always going to think that you're, if you'd run three seconds faster, you'd say, I wish I would have run another second faster.
0: That's so true. I feel like that's like kind of the, I don't know, maybe the dark side of like ambition is that, you're never enough achievements are never enough
1: you're always dissatisfied well and in a sport in a sport that's almost entirely there Mm. in in black and white with times Mm -hmm. yeah
0: for For sure. sure yeah and then you have the aspect of like i don't know maybe you didn't feel great but you gave like the hardest effort you've ever given and you didn't pr but yet you still gave as, as much as you could give and like yeah. finding the way, a way to be satisfied with that. I feel like that's a huge sign of maturity as a runner.
1: Well, I think, yeah, for the individual, but also at least for what we do um, for the parents, mm. you know, that yeah. a lot of times I've talked about this with Aaron, who coaches our, our girls track team and, and Taylor who coaches, our girls distance runners and our girls cross country team that like, they're just, the kids sometimes kind of get it mm-hmm. um, that they understand. Oh yeah. It's, you know, it's 75 degrees at eight 30 in the morning <laughs> and it's muddy. Like I, yeah, I might not run my best times, but the the parents don't always get it because not all of them necessarily have a background. in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I had a parent one time asking me about some stuff and I probably shouldn't say this, but whatever it was many years ago and it was like well from what i understand about running he this parent had already said that uh you know he didn't run when he was in school but you know from what i understand from looking around on the internet it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> you just walk away
0: uh well that wasn't an option but
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah no that's, that's a great point i didn't i didn't think about that but this is i mean as you know because i I'm your assistant coach, but it's my first like full time, um, like paid assistant role, and I think it's the closest I've ever been to like interacting with parents and those, seeing those situations. And you're definitely spot on. There's been some situations where, like you said, the kid is, I don't know, maybe the kid's still a little bit down, but the
1: parent isn't helping. <laughs> you know, well, and I I think too, almost every case, either every case or almost every case that I've seen from all of the years that I could, maybe not all the years that I coached. I, I don't want to speak necessarily, you know, the Columbus North stuff and the Avon stuff. I don't remember quite as well, but, it, but at Carmel, especially since I've been the, the head coach, the parents mean well and yeah. they want what's best for their kid. Mm-hmm. But sometimes Weinheimer would say this, that he would say this to coaches like, a lot of coaches think the more that you do for the kids, the more that it shows that you care, mm, mm-hmm. but really what coaches need to be doing to an extent. And I remember there's still, you know, like the oldest kids on your cross country team are 17. Like we need to be teaching them to do it for themselves. Mm-hmm. And he used to say about the first time I ever met him, I, I went down, um, Derek was going around the state and meeting coaches to figure out what do you do how do you become a good coach mm-hmm. and Derek was just connected and he knew how to use the internet and <laughs> uh you know he and he was one of the first guys that really knew how to do that kind of thing and he would just find these coaches emails and and email them and turns out that no one had ever asked these coaches for this. And so he just, mm-hmm. he went and he met with Josh Fletcher and he met, he went and he met with Rick Weinheimer. And I went down there with him. And I remember Weinheimer saying this stuff, you know, I was 18 years old. I was 19. I guess I just graduated. Um, or I was either 18 about to turn 19 or just turned 19 mm-hmm. and saying like, you know, I see coaches and they warm up with the kids and they go to the line with the kids and they're doing all the drills and they're going through all of this stuff. And it's like, that's not effective you've got to be able to teach them to do it on their own and I I think that you know seeing from the outside and, and whatever we're doing at, at Carmel um for the most part you know not not ever not a hundred percent but but certainly enough for an a at least 92.5 percent at Carmel High School <laughs> like what we're doing is is pretty similar to to what they did at, at Columbus North that mm-hmm. it might be like man he's just like the coaches are They don't really seem to be talking to the kids all that much. And the, you know, the kids are just kind of out there and they're warming up and then they go run. And then the coaches talk to them for like 45 seconds. And then they're like, yeah, man, we, we already, we front loaded all this stuff. Like we talked Mm -hmm. about it at practice briefly, maybe another 45 seconds and the rest (laughs) of it kind of let them figure it out on their own.
0: For sure. I feel like that's the the aspect of, I guess, Carmel cross country that I've been like most impressed with is, like you've managed to build a culture and a structure and a training plan that is effective, but it's a, I don't know, it's kind of guide rails. Like if the the kid is motivated and wants to take advantage of all the opportunities provided at Carmel, like he will succeed. And it's like so, it's pretty clear to see the kids, just like the attitude and the perspective they have who do succeed within that system. Um, I don't know, and it gives them a chance to. Like for the the Coles of our team, the Charlies, like they have a chance to to lead and to, I don't know, it just gives them room to to develop as people and runners, which I, I don't know, I really admire.
1: Yeah, well, I think too, like it it became this joke, and it was a it was a joke, but it also in a way wasn't was, um, that Cole had said on the broadcast right after Footlocker, they're like, well, "What was your strategy?" and he said, "Well, my coach told me before I left." Um. well, once you get in the lead, don't let anybody take it back.
0: Um, and I told
1: him on a Wednesday and I was like, Hey, at the interview afterwards, it means you want, so feel free to share that with everybody. But there is a certain aspect of, you know, and I'm, I'm going to present at the coaches clinic. I've got three different sessions. Um, I'll probably do three. Um, certainly going to do two um, of and just kind of share, you know, this is what we do. And this is what I think, but there's a certain part of it. That's like, we could stand to make education simpler. Mm. And, um, you know, I, you, you were around all season, obviously you, you started coming in, in July and then you'll be around all, um, all spring. And in the mm-hmm. spring, there is a little more to talk about, right? Cause there's some team strategy of who's going to be on the four by eight and who's going to be, in the 1600 and that kind of thing for a few of those meets as we figure out our lineups, um, or here's some basic ideas of strategy, but really like when the gun goes off and they're out there, they, they got to figure it out on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes I'll say to them as a joke, like, well, what am I going to, like, what am I going to tell Cole run like me won't run 1730. That's probably gonna be <laughs> yeah. very helpful. Right. Um, but so, you know, very rarely do I use mine. And obviously the older I get, the less this. So next, next year I will, I will have been as far removed by next track season. I will have been as far removed from my senior track season as I was from being born.
0: Whoa. <laughs> I was
1: 36. when I ran when I was, you know, when I was 18, um, uh, so, but sometimes I, that's the one thing that I think I I might use my own personal experiences. I'll tell a kid that ran, I'll tell Drew Grogan, Hey, uh, you ran 206 when you were a freshman. Mm-hmm. When I was a freshman, I ran 210 and then I took it a little more seriously. I was already taking it seriously. I just took it a little more seriously and I ran with our better guys and I went from 210 to 201. So if you do the math on that, you know, what do you think you could run this year? I'll, I'll, I'll say things like that. That's about the extent of it.